0: Philippians 3, 12 through 21. I want to entitle this evening's service, The Secret. In fact, I think the next few sermons are going to start with the secret to, wait for it, winning in life. Now, some of you are like, that is the most cliche sermon title ever. That is like a a cliche book that you'd find on the New York Times bestselling list. It might already be there. But listen, here's the deal. We're going to look through this passage and walk through it verse by verse. And what you will find, that, that it's really exactly about that. Paul is writing about how, how you and I should live our lives. But here's what he does. On at least five separate occasions, he uses this very purposeful athletic competitive language in fact in verse 14 the niv translates paul saying and very accurately translates paul saying that that i may win the prize so there's there's winning involved and and so what paul is literally truly talking about is how to win in life according to how God would say winning is and we need to remember that Jesus says I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly and what Jesus was talking about is I have come that you may have life that is truly life and there is A way to live our life that does miss the mark. There is a way to live our life that is not winning and is completely losing. And so let's look at this passage. There's really three major things that I want to look at. And and so let's read verses 12 through 14 to get us started. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. Let's be a talking church. Everybody say, press on. To make it my own. By the way, that's the first athletic term that he uses. Press on. This, this is a word that is used to describe a runner that is running in a race. Stride after stride. Eyes fixed. Chest forward. It's, it's describing a runner. I press on. To make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. thing. Not two things, not three things. One thing. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. Another athletic term. Think of the runner in the last five yards of a sprint. And what are they doing? They are leaning forward. They're straining forward forward. Because that's how you win the race. You, you don't go into the finish line leaning back. You lean forward. You And he says, I'm, I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on, second time he says that, toward the goal for the prize. The NIV translation has it to win the prize. This This Greek word for prize here, it's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's in 1 Corinthians 9 24, where Paul says, In a race, the runners run so that they may receive the prize. And then he says, And so you should run for that too. In other words, Paul is saying, When you run, run to win. How many of you, you don't mind winning? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, just, just some of us. I told you, this is the Word of God here, okay? So, um, apparently the Apostle Paul is competitive and it's biblical. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Five separate times he uses the, these athletic terms that, that involve winning. But, but here's the thing. What is the secret to winning in life, or at least the way that Paul would lay it out? He, he, here's the main idea it is to press on. Everybody say press on one more time. Press on. For the prize. Everybody say the prize. I want to focus on that last part, the prize. Because notice, Paul does not say, I press on toward a goal for a prize. He says, no, no, no. I press on for the goal. For the prize. What is the prize? Well, he just plainly says it in in the next phrase. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In in most simplistic terms, he's saying this I press on toward the prize. You know what the prize is? It's Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. It's being known by Jesus. It's being in a relationship with Jesus. In John 17, Jesus says, Eternal life is this that you would know God. Paul says, This is the prize. It's Jesus. It is to know Jesus. It is to love Jesus. It is to pursue Jesus. It's to be in a relationship with Jesus. It is Jesus. That is the prize. It's not a prize. It's the prize. And if you and I want to win in life, we have to go after the prize. Not after a prize. And and, and for some of us, Our life is driven by a prize rather than the prize. Our lives might be driven by a prize called a really great family. Or our lives might be driven by the goal and a prize that is is wealth. Or maybe it's retiring early. Or maybe it's it's excelling and being successful in business. And Paul says... Here it is, guys. You want to win? You want to run the race and win? You have to go after the prize, and it's, it's Jesus. And let's be reminded where Paul is at when he's writing this. W- where's he at? Where's he at? Just shout it out. It's okay. If you're wrong, we'll just kind of look at you weirdly. Like, what is it? Where's he at? Prison. Prison. He's, and he's been there for a while. He's been there for at least a few years. And here he is sitting in prison. His prize is not freedom. His prize is, is not getting out. He says, here's the win. I, I just, I want more Jesus. What is the prize you are living after? Is Jesus your prize? Knowing him, loving him, serving him, walking with him, making much of him. Is Jesus your prize? When I was 18 years old, I had the greatest breakthrough moment of my life. I grew up in a, a Christian home. I, I even had um, the opportunity where I went to Christian school. So the idea is i just kind of like, you know, just getting Christianity all around me. And I had this intellectual faith in Christ. At best, he was a prize. He was not the prize. The prize is my reputation, the prize was my popularity, the prize was that girl, the prize was doing well in sports, the pri- you know, anybody? And then when I was 18, graduated high school, and, and honestly, looking back, I had a lot of good things. I had a lot of good prizes. I was well-liked, had good friends, had sports had had all of these really good good things but for some reason I just felt so lost I felt so lonely and I came to this place in in and there was no audible voice it was better than that it was deeper than that it was as if god just spoke to me right to my heart and he just said When are you gonna surrender your life to me? And in that moment, I just said, okay, Jesus, I am going to make you my everything. My prize. I'm gonna live for you and you alone. And I'm gonna be honest with you, it was it was more a step of obedience than it was a step of delight. And my life has never been the same. It's really the reason why I feel like God had called me into ministry is I long for each and every one of you. I long for every person to come to realize there is no greater prize than Jesus. Is there? There is no greater prize. You cannot win. You cannot have the life that is abundant life unless Christ is your king, unless he is your prize. So, so, is he your prize? Are you living like he is your prize? The other piece of this is not just that, that Christ must be our prize the prize. But then we have to press on. Notice he says that twice. I press on. Oh, let me say it one more time. I press on. And then he throws in that word. I'm straining forward. I'm leaning forward. I'm giving everything I have to win in life. To live life that is truly life, to walk completely in God's plan and purpose for your life, here's what it takes it takes you pressing on and pressing on and pressing on some more, doesn't it? Just always pressing on. As reading this book, it's become one of my favorite books. It's just filled with all of these inspirational stories of of, of followers of Jesus that are faithful to God no matter what the cost. And so it was this one gentleman um, had a family, actually shared part of this story several weeks ago where he accidentally started a local church in his house and 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 the authorities in Russia, they came to him and said, hey, listen, you, you, we're going we're gonna to throw you in prison if you keep doing this. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep doing this. He, he lost his jobs. His, his kids, I think, couldn't go to school anymore. And so finally, they throw him in prison for his faith. We talk about Jesus being the prize. And so he's in prison for years. And he's getting beaten regularly. And he is told by some of the guards that they have killed his wife and that the children um, are now been given to the state. And at this point, he'd been pressing on. Can you imagine in prison for years for starting a church? And so he gets to the point where he just says, okay, I'm done. I, I, I'm, I'm done. I, so I will sign whatever you want me to sign. My kids need me. I'm out of here. And so they said, okay, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to have something written up. And as you sign it, you can go for free. You, just, you can go. You'll be free to go. Can you imagine that? So all he's got to do is just sign something. And so he says, I'll, I'll do it. And so at night, he's sitting in his bed. He's so... Discouraged, and he realizes, I stopped pressing on. I stopped pressing on. And so he he starts praying about this, and all of a sudden, he has this vision. I don't know what you believe about visions or something like that, but they're in the Bible, so I I don't know how you feel about that either. So he has this vision, and what he actually figures out is that his wife is actually not dead. His kids are not a part of the state, but they are at home. They realize something's up with dad. Now, let me tell you, they haven't seen him for over a decade, and they realize, we need to pray for him right now. And so they gather, and they start praying in the middle of the night for their dad, and their dad on his bed who feels like he's just done pressing on, praying, and he has this vision. And in the vision, he sees, and not just sees, but he hears his wife's voice and his kid's voice praying for him. And all of a sudden, he realizes they're alive. And so the soldier, the, 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 the guards come in the next morning. They've got the paper, you know, put it down. Like, okay, sign. He says, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to sign that. What do you mean? You said you were going to sign it. You're free to go. He goes, oh, no, no, no. You guys lied to me. I know my wife's alive. And I know that my kids are alive. And they're not with the state. They're fine. I can stay here quite some time longer. I'm, I'm going to press on. And this is the faithfulness to God of God, friends, that when we press on, God will carry us. God will lead us. God will be with us. And and, and Paul understood that. He said, I'm just going to keep pressing on and pressing on. Because I know. I know that God is with me. I know that God is for me. I know that God will lead me. Do you believe that? In those moments where you are tired, where you are weary, do you press on because you know that in your weakness, Christ is strong? Or do you throw in the towel and say, just let me sign the papers. I want to be done with this. This man spends 17 years in prison and then he's finally let out. And he goes and sees his kids, and he sees his wife. And he ends up telling this story that's in a book. I read it, and now you're hearing it for like the second time. Probably share it the third time, because it's so good. And as this guy who spent 17 years in prison, he's an old man at this point. He's, he's sharing this story to, to the guy who ends up writing this book. And he says, the chair you're sitting in That's the exact chair, that is the exact spot that I was arrested. Do you think after 17 years of pressing on, pressing on, pressing on for the sake of Christ, because Christ was his greatest treasure, Christ was his prize, do you think after those 17 years he looked back and said, should have signed those papers. Do you think he looks back and goes, I lost so many years with my kids and my wife? Or do you think he looked back and said, Lord, you used it and you're going to continue to use it. Some of the greatest stories God is going to write in your life are in your seasons of pressing on press on. He's using it. He'll redeem it. Now here's how the rest of the the chapter flows. There's a sense in which the rest of the chapter, yeah, the rest of the chapter here is is more about um, how we press on. So if if the way that we win, if the way that we live this abundant life that Christ has for us, if, if the way is, is that we need to make Christ our prize and we need to press on and press on and strain forward and press on and press on, like how do we do that practically? Give, give me like a couple of pointers. And that's exactly what Paul does. He gives two pointers I want us to kind of hang on to. Verse 15, I love this. He says, Oh, by the way, let those of us who are mature think this way. Which way? <laughs> what he just got done talking about. He says, Those of you who are mature, here's how I want you to think. I want you to make sure Jesus is the prize of your life and that you press on and press on and press on. And if anything, you think otherwise. So, in other words, if, if you don't think like that's the way, um, here's the deal. Um, God will reveal that also to you. I love this. Paul is just very gently saying, hey, if, you, if, you're not, if you're having a hard time believing that Jesus is the prize, don't worry. God will clarify that later to you. Just, just, just wait. And so he goes on. He says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and, and now tell you, even with tears, walk is enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. In other words, their God is their belly. Their God is whatever they have the appetite for in that moment. Ooh, I like this." Or ooh, I want that, not just food but anything and their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things but but look at verse 17 this is so key brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us keep your eyes on those who walk So so he's given this race metaphor, this race language, this pressing on language. He says, guys, here's the key to pressing on. Find someone who's ahead of you. Find someone who's more mature than you. Find someone like me and imitate them. In other words, Paul is saying the key to pressing on is you need brothers and sisters in Christ that you can walk with and you can look to. We are easily more desperate for this than ever before. You know, I've shouted this statistic a couple of times. Um... It was at one point 31 percent. Now it's 36 percent, so it's going up. but um, the, the church this is national. church attendance in, this is in person, not counting it online. Church in-person attendance is 36 percent of what it used to be two years ago, less than two years ago. Not 36 percent less. 36% of what it used to be. So a church of 1,000 people coming to gather in person in worship, now they're about a church of 360 or a church of 100. Now it's about 36 people coming to gather. And, and, and listen, I, I know that there are, there are reasons for this and there's, there's certain reasons that I think that need to be understood and, 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 and need to be honored. But at the same time, we have to understand that when we do not have the body of Christ, the gathering, and I'm not just talking about a Sunday gathering, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about community groups, I'm talking about a Sunday, I'm talking about, hey, let's grab coffee, I'm talking about relationships with other believers, that if we don't have that on a consistent basis... It is not it is not going to go well. But here's the trouble. Often you won't see the detriment of that for like four or five years. Right? Like if if you don't pray with with your wife for a year, it'll probably start showing up. Like, oh yeah but you might not even quite notice it. Three years, now it's, now it's getting really bad. Five years, in, Or it's, or it's the same thing with, with a quiet time. You don't have a quiet time with the Lord for a week or two? Nobody notices. A month, maybe you start to notice. Six months, your spouse better start noticing. But there's so many things in our life that if we don't do them week after week after week, we don't really notice it until about a year or two goes by and we start realizing, what happened? And I want to encourage each and every one of you to ask and answer this question. What people do you have in your life that you can imitate? And not like imitate from afar. I think that's, that's our problem. Like our mentors today are, are people that we listen to on podcasts. Like, oh yeah, John Piper, he's one of my mentors. You've never met him. I listen to his podcast every single week. But who is in your life that is running this race with you? Who are in your children's life that is running this race with them? We are desperate for this. And if we don't have it, the cost is so steep. We are desperate for the... We've got to remember the church is the body of Christ. It's kind of a big deal, right? The body of Christ. We are desperate for it. Do do we have that? Who do you have in your life that is asking you about your prayer life, that is asking about your marriage? Who do you have in your life that you can look to and imitate? Paul says, you you need that. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. We, We are desperate for spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. We are desperate for the local church. We need that to press on. And and without it, I don't think we can. But, But here's the last piece. And it's in verse 20 and 21. But I think it's also back in verse 12. He says, But your citizenship is in heaven, and from it, We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Here's what Paul is doing. So let's remember, here's the main idea. Paul says, here's the secret to winning. Here's the secret to living life that is truly life. You need to press on for the prize of knowing Jesus. That's the race we're in. That's the race worth winning. Press on for Christ and Christ alone. But here's what you need. You need people in your life. You need the body of Christ. You need people that you can imitate and they can imitate you. They can encourage you, bless you, pray for you, and you can do the same for them. You need the body of Christ. And here's the last thing that I think he's saying we need. We need to know the Why? Why are you pressing on? Maybe you've never been in, I think we've all been, but maybe it's been a while. Have you ever been doing something really, really difficult? I, I'm just, I can't help but think in the realm of athletics. So maybe you're lifting some weights or maybe you're on a long run or maybe you're doing a triathlon or a marathon. You ever, you ever been doing something and somewhere along the lines it gets so difficult that you ask yourself the question, wait a second, why am I doing this? Has that ever happened to you? Almost every triathlon that I've ever done, somewhere along the way, I literally out loud say to myself, wait a second, why am I doing this? What? Why? And somewhere along the way, I remind myself why. And that's what Paul is doing. Why should you and I press on? Why should this person who is in prison and his kids and his wife don't have him, why should he keep pressing on? Why should you share your faith with your neighbors? Why should you press on in that hard marriage? Why should you press on and give generously? Why should you press on that certain calling that God has given you in its heart? Why, why, why? And he tells us why. Let me give you two whys. They're basically the same. Look back in verse 12. He says, Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because, that's a purpose statement, here's why I press on. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. It's so simple. He says, the reason why I press on to make Jesus the prize is because Jesus has made me his own. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over again. That's what he's doing. He's going, oh, I need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for me. I press on to pursue Jesus because Jesus pressed on to pursue me to the point of dying on the cross. He presses on to make Jesus his prize because Jesus did the same exact Thing for him and Jesus has done the same exact thing for you and me when's the last time you've reminded yourself of why you pursue Jesus when is the last time you paused and said Jesus I do this because it's what you have done for me but But he goes further than that. He takes this why even deeper. And in verse 20 and 21, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. How often do you think about the resurrection? How often do you think about the fact that one day Jesus is going to take your beat up broken body and make it brand new? Close your eyes for a moment and just imagine this with me. Not just you, but your loved ones. Maybe some loved ones that have already passed on. There will be a day where Jesus makes your body and makes everybody who is in Christ makes their body brand new. And Revelation 21 says that Jesus is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Like all of this around us is going to be brand new and he's going to give you and I new bodies that will last forever. For eternity. And Paul, he understood this. He realized, yeah, I might be in prison, but this is but a glimpse. One day I will have a new body. One day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And that's why I can keep pressing on. I'm going to have Hillary and her team come up and And begin to lead our time in worship. And I want want to encourage you to just think about that. I want you to think about, is Jesus the prize of your life? Is He the prize, or is He just a prize? Maybe this is an opportunity for you to repent. Repent of some idols in your life. Repent of some things that have taken the place of Jesus... And here's what's so great about repentance is that Jesus says that every single time we come and repent of our sins to Him, you know what He says to us? I forgive you. Every single time. And then maybe take some time and ponder and reflect. Have you made room in your life for people that can... Run this race with you. Have you made room for people in your life? We're so busy, aren't we? People in our life that can pray with us and pray for us, and we can pray for them. People that we can imitate, and they can imitate us as we strive for the prize of Christ. Do you have that? And then finally, this last piece. Maybe you might just ponder and reflect on the fact that one day Jesus is going to make your body brand new. Those loved ones you care about, maybe you miss and they are in Christ. One day you're going to see them. And that will be all of eternity. This is but a glimpse. Why not just go all out? Why not just press on all out to the finish line God has for us because we've got that rest of eternity to rest. As we worship, I encourage you to take communion and just remember that Jesus rose from the dead because he died on the cross. To take this bread reminded that Jesus broke his body for you and I and to take this cup and remember that it's Jesus' blood that he poured out for us and I want to encourage you to take that as you feel led let me pray for us gracious father we thank you that You want us to win. You want us to live life that is truly life. You want us to be faithful to the end. We thank you that, Jesus, you are the perfect prize. And that you've made us your prize by dying for us. Pray during this time of worship, you would stir up our hearts our affections for you, Jesus. Pray this in your name.